This podcast is brought to you by Intel vPro. Whenever this time of year rolls around, the one thing that I cannot get over is the feeling of walking out of the office on a weekday afternoon, early evening, and having it be like 5.30, 6 p.m., and it is already completely dark outside. Like, I feel like I've missed the entirety of daylight for this day. It makes it hard to feel like there's something joyful to look forward to. I know that I'm not the only one who feels this way. Our colleague Richard Seema has also talked about this. I struggle a lot in the winter because it's so dark, so cold. So I definitely feel more lethargic. Uh, My moods are easier to get down on. So yeah, it's a struggle for me and for millions of people um, uh, with the winter, with the dark. In a former life, Richard was a neuroscientist. Now he's a journalist. He writes a column for The Post called Brain Matters. And he decided to look into the science of why some people get depressed in the winter. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers, and it's Friday, December 8th, a.k.a. in a lot of parts of the U.S., the day with the earliest sunset of the year. So today, producer Sabi Robinson is talking with Richard about why some of us get seasonal affective disorder and what we can do about it. I know that there is a a specific term for this seasonal affective disorder. What is seasonal affective disorder and how do you know if you have it? Yeah, seasonal affective disorder with the very memorable acronym SAD is basically the seasonal uh, change in people's mood where uh, 5% of Americans have winter seasonal affective disorder, but many more find that winters are just more difficult for their mental well-being. So you might feel more lethargic, um, have more depressed moods, your appetite might change. And it's a type of depression. So it's uh, something to be very aware of. But the good thing is, because it's seasonal, it's also predictable. So there are things you could do ahead of time and anticipation of, you know, facing the winter months ahead. Yeah, I'd love to hear more about what's helpful if you do have sad or if you have the winter blues. One of the things I struggle with the most in the winter is the the daylight aspect. Like I get to work in the morning and it's just gotten light and then I'm inside all day and I only leave when it's dark again. So how do I make sure that this doesn't get me down too much? Yeah, the light aspect is what's regarded as the cause of why people get uh, seasonal affective disorder in the winter. As you said, we have less daylight, I think, in D.C. Since summer, we've lost almost five and a half hours of daylight. Um, And that's really hard for us. And the reason for this is that we are very sensitive to light because light is important for setting our internal clocks, our circadian rhythm. And if that gets out of whack compared to the you know, the daylight cycle outside that, you know, does a number on our mood. We also know that the cells that detect light in our eyes, they connect to parts of the brain that are involved with mood. So light has a very powerful effect on our mood. Um, So what I do and what um, is a very standard practice for people who have winter seasonal affective disorder is to try something called light therapy or bright light therapy. We have this really powerful light box that 
we turn on in the morning to sort of welcome the day and help us set our clock uh, to this bright morning light. And these are specialized boxes because they are far more powerful, far more bright than what we normally get with our indoor lights. It's supposed to mimic what the sunlight does to us in the morning. It's very powerful. It tells our brain that it's time to be awake. If you're interested in a light box, I would first recommend you talk to your doctor about what to look for. But the general recommendation is to find one that has really high brightness. The standard is 10,000 lux, which is a measurement of luminance. That's about 10 to 100 times brighter than what we get in regular um, indoor light. Mm. And so you just have it in your room and you, you have it on while you're kind of doing things in the morning? Yeah. And, you know, I, I think one important thing is you don't have it in front of you. You have it sort of to the side so you're not blasting yourself with light first thing in the morning. But it's, you know, something that can help you greet the day. Richard, you know, we're having this conversation in December when we still have the holidays to look forward to. But, you know, oftentimes I think January and February can be some of the toughest winter months when people get really down. So how do you recommend that they prepare for those later winter months when, you know, you can get really down in the dumps? You know, planning certain activities that you know will keep you social, keep you engaged, things that you know you already enjoy is really helpful ahead of time. The other thing that is helpful for me and for many is to basically let your social support network know ahead of time that this is you know, going to be maybe more difficult, that um, you welcome them to reach out, um, that you would appreciate the support. Um, I also recommend speaking with your physicians, your doctors, to let them know also that you will like more checkups or you know, just also give them a heads up that you might need more support during this time. When it comes to asking your physician and a psychiatrist for more like professional help, how would you go about actually doing that and what should some of those conversations look like? Yeah, so there are ways to measure how how much the seasons affect your mood, um, which is one way that they could tell whether you have seasonal affective disorder or if you have the sensitivity to this uh, season um, on your mood. But one thing to consider is that we know that talk therapies help for major depression in general, but also for seasonal affective disorder, as do common antidepressants. So talking to your doctor about what you've gone through in previous winters, as well as what you're feeling now, can help them establish like whether you need more support, whether more time doing um, the counseling or therapy, or whether you need to change your medication dosage. Um, that could help, especially if you, know, you historically have had, had difficulty in winters. Mm. So Richard, you spoke with the person who identified seasonal affective disorder. What did he tell you about how people should best prepare for the winter months? Yeah, Norman Rosenthal, who's a psychiatrist at Georgetown University, uh, first described seasonal affective disorder back in the 1980s. And he said something really profound, which is that the good news here is that it's a very predictable phenomenon. It happens every year, which means that you can prepare for it every year. 
that's part of the thing is the, the to be able to put yourself in that mindset and say, what am I going to need? And what I've done here is to try and help them to say, put yourself in that mindset. And he gave many great pieces of advice about, you know, making sure that you have light in your life, have a social support network, about having your doctors on standby. Also about thinking on how to reframe your own perception about the season. It's all thinking ahead, you see? That's what we're doing. Um, have I evaluated my outlook to see whether it could be improved? For, for example, can I view winter at least in part as a challenge and an adventure rather than an unmitigated pain in the neck, as it so often feels? I think that's very profound because it's easy to get into a mode where you see the winter months and you you know, almost have a self-fulfilling prophecy of anticipating the dark and anticipating feeling down and then having that be more likely to happen. But because we are able to prepare for it, you can uh, find ways of getting out of that cycle and getting more of the light you need, more of the socializing you need, more of the joy you need. And, you know, there's studies looking at um, how people who've received like cognitive behavioral therapy, which helps you establish good self-regulation strategies, good ways of evaluating how you're thinking and feeling in the moment. And they found that basically people who've learned these strategies not only did better in the winter that they learned them, but also in the subsequent winter. It's really good to keep in mind that, you know, you're not only preparing for this winter, but you're preparing for other winters to come. And something else that I found really interesting in your reporting was that there's this thing called summer sad. So can you tell me a little bit about that and how it's different from winter sad? Yeah, compared to winter sad, summer depression, summer sad has not gotten as much attention or research, um, but it is a thing that affects millions of people as well. Instead of being caused by the changes in light, summer sad is likely to be caused by, you know, that heat, that humidity and allergies. There are ways that winter and summer sad are similar. You know, they both are marked by, you know, a sad mood or reduced feelings of pleasure. But they also have some key differences as well. Uh, people with the winter sad tend to be more lethargic. They overeat or oversleep and feel sluggish. But summer sad is more that they are less hungry, but they have insomnia. So it's interesting that, you know, they both feel bad, but maybe in different ways, um, possibly due to the different causes of summer versus winter sad. One other thing that was interesting when I was speaking to the researchers is that even though we don't know much about summer sad, there is a possibility that it becomes more prevalent because the climate is changing and the world is warming. So there'll probably be even hotter days than we had um, on record, uh, more humid uh, days and ones with more pollen and allergies. Part of what you know this research highlights is that we may not be the ones who you know, suffer from winter sad or summer sad, but we we likely know people who we love who do. Um, and they deserve our love, our support, and our empathy for, you know, what they go through during um, the months that are hard for them. 
After the break, Sabi and Richard share how they are getting prepared for this winter. We'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by Intel vPro. AI PCs built for business with Intel Core Ultra Processors and Intel vPro are optimized for hundreds of AI apps and tools to boost user productivity, all with AI-powered threat detection. Learn more at intel.com slash itheroes. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Okay, so Richard, we actually asked our listeners how they prepare for the winter months and how they avoid the winter blues And we heard Mm -hmm. back from a listener in Salt Lake City named Kevin, who told us this. Hey, Washington Post. This is Kevin from Salt Lake City. And I just wanted to let you know what I do to avoid getting the winter blues. And they say that there is no such thing as bad weather, only bad gear. Mm -hmm. So get some good gear and head outdoors. It's better than heading out windows. (laughs) Also, dad jokes are great. <laughs> Thanks. That's an amazing philosophy. Uh, thank you, Kevin. And I agree. It's um, If you are prepared for the weather, if you're prepared for winter, then you have a lot more options to continue to do things that you want to do. And yeah, as I said before, it's easier to have that at hand uh, prepared um, than trying to finagle it in the moment. Um, And I appreciate dad jokes all the time. So uh, (laughs) that's also a plus. Yeah. Is there actually, is there science to back up what he's saying here? Because I mean, I I lived in Minneapolis for a while and I remember moving there and actually realizing that my experience was totally transformed. And I actually, I don't think I became a winter person, but I enjoyed myself so much more because I had proper gear and I got you know, this, what I call a sleeping bag coat, which goes from head to toe. And so, and then I was able to get outside, but like it, you know, scientifically, um, like, does this make sense to you in the way that, you know, our bodies work and our brains work? Yeah, I I think um, it fits a lot of research that suggests that people with seasonal affective disorder may have learned these negative associations with the season, with the snow or with the falling leaves that precedes winter. But that there's you know beauty out there and ways that you can enjoy doing things outdoors um, or with friends um, in cozy you know uh, environments. Um, so it's it's something we're thinking about is you know what can you do to find those uh, moments of joy um, because they're still there um, and you can prepare for them. Richard, how do you find those winter moments of joy yourself? Yeah, I have enjoyed walking around the neighborhood like throughout the seasons. And um, part of it is having the winter coats ready, the nice thermal gloves, um, so my hands aren't freezing. But also indoors, like setting up uh, board game nights with friends. Um, You know, we've all been busy, so it's important to be mindful to 
set aside time and schedule these social activities that you know can really keep the spirits up uh, during the winter and it has helped for mine for sure. Uh, what do you do? In some ways I feel like it's a similar answer to yours. I'm a very social person, but I think in the winter I can retreat into myself and so I'm trying to get into board games. I had a very game-filled weekend this past weekend with friends. Oh, nice. But I'm also just going to spend a lot of time with friends' dogs. I've realized dogs give me a lot of joy, (laughs) and so taking them on walks and getting out is probably going to be my main source of energy this winter and just enjoying the holidays. And yeah, maybe after this conversation, I'm going to be thinking of new things because I feel like this has definitely inspired me. Yeah, and I think it's probably no accident that there's so many holidays in the winter um, because it helps us stay social and connected with people who matter with us. This has also inspired me to think about other things that I've had on my list of uh, well-being activities or like hobbies I've wanted to get into. Now is as good a time as any uh, to do the things that I, you know, think or know will make me happy. Richard, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much as well and hope you have a great winter. Richard Sima is a neuroscientist and writer of the Brain Matters column for The Post. He spoke with Post Report's producer, Sabi Robinson, who also produced this episode. It was edited by Maggie Penman with help from Rena Flores. It was mixed by Sean Carter. That is it for Post Reports. Thank you so much for listening. If you love the show and appreciate hearing these useful tips from our reporters, you can help other people discover Post Reports by leaving a rating on Spotify or a review on Apple Podcasts. Our team includes Maggie Penman, Rena Flores, Ted Muldoon, Alahe Azadi, Monica Campbell, Robin Amer, Eliza Dennis, Alana Gordon, Ariel Plotnick, Bishop Sand, Arjun Singh, Jordan Marie Smith, Rennie Spernovsky, Sabi Robinson, Emma Talkoff, Sean Carter, and Renita Jablonski. And I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back on Monday with more stories from The Washington Post. This podcast is brought to you by Intel vPro. AI PCs built for business with Intel Core Ultra Processors and Intel vPro are optimized for hundreds of AI apps and tools to boost user productivity, all with AI-powered threat detection. Learn more at intel.com slash itheroes.